Welcome, everybody. This is Harry. Back at you with the final episode of Austin Pudding Presents the Podcast. This is the final episode of the year 2023. There will be more episodes in 2024, but this is the last one for 2023. And I'm really excited because we have a, a pretty notable guest, at least as far as like niche interest Boston music goes. My guest this week is rapper Esoteric, who's half of the underground hip-hop group 7L and Esoteric. And that duo, like a, a decade, over a decade ago at this point, teamed up with Inspected Deck from the Wu-Tang Clan, who you may have heard of. And they have been releasing music since, I think, 2011 as Zarface. That's sort of um, their group alter ego. Zarface is like a superhero. And like all the all their music is really, is you know, rife with, with comic book references and stuff. So, you know, cool because it's hip hop, but also cool because it's nerdy comic book stuff. I also did a write-up for this interview, but at the end of the episode, well, at the at the end of the uh, discussion, uh, Esoteric asked me when the podcast was coming out, when the audio was coming out, and I was like, oh, this is just supposed to be like a write-up, and he was like, oh, you know, like, publish the audio, so I was like, yeah, you know what, I'll, I will email your publicist just to be on the same page, and yeah, so anyway, I'm super excited, um, it's a... It, I had a great time talking to, I had a great time talking to Esoteric, really nice, really funny. Uh, we just kind of nerded out for like 45 minutes and talk about the Celtics a little bit. And of course the new Zarface album, Zartificial Intelligence. But yeah, without further ado, here is my interview with Esoteric. Yeah. Congrats on the, congrats on the new record. Uh, Thank Zarf, you. Zarface Intelligence, right? No. Um. It's artificial intelligence. It's artificial, it's artificial, yeah. Yep. It's <laughs> artificial intelligence. should just be strange, I think. It would, it would <laughs> yeah. not, there's no no uh, play on words or anything there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A boast of our intelligence, which is questionable. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've been listening to the, the record a few times, uh, you know, since picking up the interview, but then I was kind of just like, diving right in all day today at work okay and i don't know the a lot of these bars are really clever i i was digging a lot of the lines oh thank you there was one on the opening track the uh the play on uh christops porzingis that you do i yeah <laughs> i had to go to Gen genius and uh look it up exactly what was going on on that oh okay yeah that's that's uh just to play on porzingis and Horse zingers, bad comebacks. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I dug it. There's like, there's a Thank few, you. a few basketball references. There's another, another one later that same verse, but then I, I was kind of keeping an ear out for them over the course of, uh, of the whole album. Mm. Well, thanks, man. That's uh, basketball stuff is kind of second nature for me when I'm crafting lyrics and verses, superhero stuff. Yeah, basketball stuff. So. Oh, I, I I actually didn't notice the superhero stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, it's in there. <laughs> I'll have to. Yeah, I'll have to take a, a closer listen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, my my basketball related questions are. Um, so did uh, what do you think of the in season tournament? Uh, you know what I I I didn't think it. You know the outcome for the Celtics was no good, but I actually enjoyed it because it you know raised the stakes a little bit and mm-hmm. apparently got some of the players invested that would have been less invested uh, had it been just a regular December season, uh, November. You know, this time of year, I think people are watching in a more casual way, and this gives mm-hmm. people a reason to tune in because players are playing like they mean it. And uh, so I, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I know the Lakers were talking about raising the banner for their uh, victory. But that was the uh, one, the one sour point for me. I'm, I'm a lifelong Celtics fan. I feel like I'm okay. in good company there, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, um, well, I, well, I think I like the fact that they were, a lot of people seem to be laughing that, at the fact that they were raising a banner for it, but I think you need to start somewhere, and that gives it a degree of legitimacy, aside mm-hmm. from the, the monetary aspect for the players and some of the role players and bench players that are getting paid less throughout the season, and they're getting more money uh, from you know this, this uh, tournament win. If you put a banner up there, it starts to mean something after a few years. So I think you're only going to get more um, competition and more hardcore basketball from it so i'm i'm all for it yeah i i thought it was good it was that halliburton run was incredible he looks amazing yeah yeah definitely definitely man um and i i think the one drawback is some of the courts were a little bit uh tricky on the eyes i think depending on your, your the resolution of your television you know what I mean? yeah. like when the Celtics were playing the Pacers there. It was uh oh my god, blinding. It was tough to watch. <laughs> Interesting, but still, you know, because because you're not used to seeing that. But yeah, um, it just switches it up a little bit. Which I don't know. I guess it's interesting if it, it doesn't hurt your eyes. Yeah, I think there were some hits and there were some misses. I like I liked yeah. our home court, like the when we had games in Boston. I like I liked how that. Looked. I did too. Yeah, I did too. It was a nice surprise. And yeah, as you said, the 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 Pacers, or I said, the Pacers uh, court was a little little strange when I watched the, the Celtics game. But yeah, uh, yeah. Tyrese Halliburton is uh, insane. Yeah, crazy run. Um, so how do you think the uh, we'll move on after this? But how do you think the the rest of the season's kind of going to play out? And where do you see? Uh, and who do you see in the finals? Um. I don't know. I would like to see the Celtics in the finals. Uh, and and it, I think it all depends on whether uh, Porzingis stays healthy mm-hmm. and, you know, Drew Holiday stays healthy. And I, I, obviously, uh, Brown and, and Tatum and Derek White. Uh, you know, as long as those guys are playing at, at full capacity, full speed, full strength, I think the Celtics have a great shot of, of, of jumping in the finals and, you know, maybe – Versus the Nuggets, or I don't know. We'll see. It's too early, really. I think. Yeah, it li- this season feels pretty open. It it does, it does. But I mean, I got I have to lean towards the Celtics. Been that you know, it, it would be a lot of fun to watch basketball into June with some type of investment. You know. Oh, absolutely. I always I always pull for them. 
You know, I don't play yeah. against, against the house. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a lot of basketball. And then, obviously, my facetious uh, humor aside, there's a lot of comic book superhero references, which is another thing that was huge in my life growing up. Oh, cool. So, so yeah, something like I, I just uh, I was cleaning out my mom's basement this past weekend. And no um, way. Yeah, and I found an old Christmas. I mean, there's so many. There's like Batman, X Men, Spider Man shit. But I found an old Christmas list of mine, and it was like all X Men action figures that I was asking for. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome! Two of them. Yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know how it it was left in your basement and it wasn't up at the North Pole, but um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it must have gotten lost in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I you know, <laughs> I, I I don't know if you have, have kids, but I have two kids, so I'm always on my guard here. You know. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. The um, yeah, the X Men. Uh, so that was probably the '90s then, right? When you were yep. asking for those yellow suits. That's that's my mm -hmm. era. Yeah, I'm looking at the Wolverine right now. Oh, classic. With the retractable claws. So I was going to ask, you know, sort of ge generic fun question, but what's sort of your your dream? You can pick like five or six. What's sort of like a dream lineup for you? Uh, and I'm, you know, we can open it up to like any teams. Are you are you okay. more of a Marvel and DC or DC? I like both. I, I really like both. Um, I always find it interesting when somebody is so vehemently against one of one or the other you yeah. know uh because i think both have a lot to offer and both at least when i was growing up captured my attention like uh in different ways but for a long time you know the uh super friends and the justice league they were a lot of fun to read about watch on tv and play with the toys and same with the marvel guys but i mean my my era for the toys was and, and the comics really was around Crisis on Infinite Earths for DC and Secret Wars for Marvel. And that was probably the sweet spot for me, which was like the mid 80s. Um, so I really jumped into both worlds. And so when you say teams, I don't know if you mean pre-existing teams or if I'm assembling teams. or No, you can kind of, you kind of have free range to assemble your own. Okay. Yeah, I, I wish you emailed me ahead of time. About <laughs> sorry, this. This, yeah, sorry. this is too heavy of a question to just throw any names out there to keep the interview going. I mean, I, I would have, I, I, I could have right. had a week to think about this, <laughs> giving you an honest answer. But I guess I'll say, um, I'll take uh, Spider Man. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's one of the guys mm. from Marvel. Uh, Wolverine. Cross paths. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where was that in Times Square? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was like a, a a balcony was falling off a building and he swung in and nice. I still think uh, he's a menace okay. though. That makes me think of Hell's Kitchen, which makes me think of Daredevil. So probably Daredevil, Wolverine, Spider-Man, and then for DC, I, I like uh Batman, I like uh like the Flash. Um maybe those could be my top five. But I also like Doctor Fate and Hawkman. Uh, I like Venom. I love going Venom. back to Marvel. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther, I like a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm a pretty. I'm one of those. I'm an easy grader when it comes to all of that stuff because I, I've, I, I think I owe a lot of my life's enjoyment to the the entire 
universe of superheroes, whether yeah. it be Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, whatever it is. Yeah, and I think that's a good philosophy on it. I feel like a lot of uh, diehard comic fans get a little like too in the weeds mm -hmm. about things sometimes, and they're like they're you know just like Star Wars fans, they're impossible to please, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a it's I mean you can yeah I, I, yeah there are <laughs> there's definitely a sector of Star Wars fans that are very hard to please and. You don't know whether they're. I, I guess it all depends on their age. You know what I mean. So yeah. the original trilogy will always please everybody, uh, or mostly everybody. But then there's the prequel people that really, you know, hold fast to the prequels, and then a whole new generation that that are probably going to grow up enjoying the sequels. Which um, I've I've found a lot to like about those, but I understand a lot of people's problems with them too. Mm -hmm. But. Um, Phantom Menace, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Force Awakens was actually, it was a really fun movie for me. And I got to see that with my son and my dad at the same time. And that oh, was the only time my son and my dad and me got, went to the movies. It was to see that. So oh, that, that could have, you know, that'll always have a special place in my, uh, my heart. Yeah. No, I, I, I remember, I think I ended up going to see that like five times in the theaters. I was, I started seven times. I'm not trying to be a topper, but I started seven <laughs> times. Yeah. Uh, no, it was an event. It was it was amazing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, it, you know, with all things that, that come out, the hype surrounds it. And then, there, you know, there's a wave of, of backlash afterward. People have sat with it and people want to, you know, kind of pick things apart and analyze things, which I think is a lot of the fun for people. Um, but, uh, you know, critics to really dig into it you know and that's fine but when i was in the theater watching that i had an amazing time uh, probably and i i, I saw it, I, I really did uh probably see it seven times and you saw it five times so i guess we're really on the same page with <laughs> getting some thrill out of that movie yeah so um when you um when you and 7l first met and started collaborating um I was reading because uh, in the the couple minutes waiting for you to jump on, I was just kind of like browsing Wikipedia. And so you you were, if this is right, you were DJing like college parties or like college radio station parties. Uh, in, like, oh, when you were like radio. a teenager, so I I would be on the air, um, ninety one point seven at Salem State. So I would have I would be in the studio at Salem State at the radio station uh, playing. You know, all types of hip-hop you would never hear on the radio. But that was the idea of college radio at that point. You'd play, you know, obscure things and things that weren't mainstream. So that was right up my alley because a lot of the hip-hop that I liked and still like is kind of off the beaten path and probably less appreciated or acknowledged by the masses. So it was not really college parties because I, I, it was college radio. So. I think if I was playing these same records at college parties, there might not have been a lot of girls at the parties. And <laughs> <laughs> sometimes <laughs> to make a party, you need you need everybody, you know. So yeah, yeah. I, I made room for a lot of. Um, I, I but you know, in retrospect, the college parties that I went to at that time, they were playing a lot of stuff that I liked too, like Wu Tang and things like that. So it was uh, good. But my my role was. College radio, 
not the not the house party. Seven L would DJ a lot of house parties though. He's like the the real DJ in, in in the crew who can actually you know cut, scratch, blend, beat, match, uh, pick out the right records at the right times. And I'm just you know I press play. That's it. So is he is he making? Did he make most of the beats on the the new uh, new record? Yes, sir. I actually met him a few years ago in um, in Vinyl Index. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, I was in there and I was browsing records, and I actually I flipped to a copy of the. Uh, it was right after you released the uh, Metal Face and Zarface mm-hmm. album, and so I was like, oh, okay. like I've been an MF Doom fan since high school. So I was like, oh yeah, I want to. My friend had just kind of introduced me to you guys, and so I picked it yep. up, and you know, I'm checking out, and he was like. Yo, hey, that's my record, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was, uh, and he gave me one of the one of the seven inch singles that was in kind of like the comic book. Okay, yeah, uh, packaging, which uh, was just uh, incredible packaging. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, that was. Um, we we definitely enjoy putting uh, a lot of into the physical products. Physical media is important to us, so mm-hmm. making seven inches that come with comic books uh built into them and everything is something that we took a page out of power records book from you know the 70s they would put out star trek superman batman spider-man different seven inches or, or even 12 inches that would all come with comic books packaged uh inside them and those are the things we really grew up with and found a lot of enjoyment in and we actually back in the day we'd sample those records and cut those records and cut phrases from bruce wayne or Bruce Banner or, or um, Peter Parker, Spider, whoever. And so now it's our turn to kind of make records like that with comic books built into them. And so in um, 7L, who, who runs uh, and owns soundtracks in Beverly now, Beverly Mass, he's, he has his own record store. So he was running uh, in a, a part owner of Vinyl Index at that point. And now Soundtracks is his new place. And he's really a, a vinyl uh uh audiophile or vinyl what's the words oh psychopath psychopath that's the <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so. i haven't heard of soundtracks yet so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep that on the uh on my radar if i make it up to beverly sometime yeah yeah it's a it's a dope spot man lots of rare records lots of odd records lots of clean records very cool cool place he keeps it very nice and neat like gattaca yeah. i don't know if you've seen gattaca the movie but it's um a good place to visit. Is that the one I, with I like uh, Ethan Hawke? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Cool. I think I've seen it once. Okay. So I know enough about it that I know Ethan Hawke's in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a he's a phenomenal actor, and he is. Uh, the, I think he has the, the main role in that movie. Yeah. No, that was also my favorite part about um, Vinyl Index. Was I felt like the the record curation was like a lot of stuff that um, like I wouldn't find in other places yeah that that's the appeal of um of these these vinyl outlets and that's really one of seven l strengths where you can curate uh, a yeah. library of, of records that or a selection of records catalog of records because you know when he's he's not making beats and um eating fast food he is traveling like great distances to people's warehouses and basements and attics and buying their collections and then kind of refurbishing the vinyl, cleaning them up and offering them to people that really want the records, you know? So, um, he loves, he loves the whole, uh, chase and discovery 
and reissue, not reissue, but uh, repurposing or, you know, giving, uh, making them available to the, another person that really wants the records, you know? Yeah. I used to work in a record store, so I know the, uh, oh, okay. the rundown, the oh, routine of like, uh, uh, planet records outside of Harvard oh, nice. square. Yeah. 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 It's, it's okay. Class. So, you know, yeah, obviously, you know what, what I'm talking about then. Yeah. So, uh, how did you guys kind of come about collaborating with inspector deck for Zarface? Um, we, uh, we had a record together in that we made in 1998 in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Uh, we recorded a, uh, an apartment in Brooklyn, this record called uh, Speaking Real Words. It was our first single as 7L and Esoteric. Uh, well, second single, I guess. But it was featured in Inspector Deck from Wu-Tang Clan in 1998. And it was just a, a real um, uh, unprecedented thing for the Boston indie underground scene to have somebody that would collaborate with somebody from Wu-Tang Clan at, at that time in, in like the late 90s. And uh, mm-hmm. we were able to build a relationship with Deck through the years after that record came out. And around 2011, uh, 7L was like, hey, we should do an album with with Deck since you know we've been sending him beats and he's been using a few of the beats and we've had a rapport back and forth throughout the years. And I thought he was out of his mind. I thought he, uh, Deck would never do that commit to a whole album with us and then turns out he he was down to do it because you know we had a, we had a good relationship and he probably saw the potential in the collaboration with us and we, and we did it and as the first few records we made we were just making records as like seven l and esoteric and inspect the deck uh and then we decided wow we have a, we have to come up with a name for our group and then i started thinking about uh, Iron Maiden and Eddie, and how Eddie's this mm-hmm. icon for for Iron Maiden, and, and uh, I was wondering if you brought that over to the hip hop world. Something like what has become Zarface would be a cool thing that people could look at um, and identify with our music, and then it grew into something that featured uh, action figures and comic books, and you know all different types of merchandise, which made it a lot more fun for me at the time because my son was about three or four years old when the idea of it all came about and I could engage him with his own personal superhero in Zarface. And uh, he would help me come up with some ideas and we'd shoot little promotional commercials with him and the first Zarface figure, which was uh, made by Sucklord and um, who was a pioneer and custom toy action figure making but uh i think uh my my son has generated a lot of the inspiration on my particular side for Zarface, and it's been a lot of fun making the music and making everything that, that's associated with it yeah that's awesome it, does Zarface have like uh what are some like characteristics of Zarface? not so much in look but like what's the character sort of sort of like with um, this, this world well he he, he was uh, originally a wrestler um like an 80s style wrestler that was from the states but he was uh his gimmick was he was from russia so everybody he was considered a heel 
And it's kind of the ridiculous aspect of 80s wrestling where there are people like Nikolai Volkov and uh, Nikita Koloff and uh, these people would be booed because they were from Russia and they were considered like the enemy and stuff like that. And and the, the character, Zarface, didn't like being considered such an uh, evil person by all these wrestling marks. And then he he eventually became a hero in his own right. And uh, he got his powers... From another planet, when the suit when he donned the armor, and now he has all these types, so he can fly and, and blast lasers out of his eyes. And he has an affinity for dogs, so he's got a, this soft spot for dogs, which probably comes from my soft spot for dogs. In his armor, you know, the the likeness of him was designed by Lamore Supreme, who is the artist that does all of our covers. And when we came up with the idea for Zarface, we sat down with Lamore. And uh, I just picked his brain, he picked my brain, and we came up with what we wanted him to look like in the first draft of what Lamore came up with. I said, oh, wow, this is uh, this is a dope-looking guy, and then it's time to build his backstory. So the look came before the, the story, um, which I think, you know, that might happen with a lot of uh, superheroes, supervillains. You know, you've got a guy that looks really cool, but then he needs a story, even though in a lot of cases, mystery matters. So you want to have some degree of mystery. And there, there's a lot of mystery. And let's, I think to a lot of our fans who really dig the music and, and find the covers really cool to look at, I don't know if they read some of the, the, the books, the comic books surrounding Zarface. So I think they're content with the visual aspect of Zarface and, and the, his menacing look and and the music and i think that that's good enough for them and that's good enough mm-hmm. for me you know but i do like telling the stories in the comic books yeah and so are you, are you you're writing the comics then yep yep awesome. so yeah the the books the, the book with the seven inches uh, any Zarface like a uh, comic that exists I, I wrote so a lot of a few of the books that came with a seven inch vinyl uh, I wrote those in the, the books that came with the 12 inch uh, LPs, like instrumental LPs. Uh, I had uh, written in then the graphic novel that came out a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I write all of the Zarface stuff. Okay. Not the lyrics, I write my own lyrics, you know, and Jack <laughs> writes his own lyrics, of course, but um, the comics I write. Yeah, with you, well, you describing that, how, like, you know, some people are content with, like, just the music, but then there's, you know, you also offer kind of this, this um, fleshed out world and this, this character, these stories, like, if, you know, if anyone wants to go deeper, it just uh, reminded me of those, uh, earlier this year, I interviewed the guitarist from uh, Coheed and Cambria, and he kind of described their, their um, stuff that way, because they have, you know, People love their music, but then there's whole graphic novels for each album. Absolutely, man. They're, they're great, man. And the fact that they have that aspect of it, too, is just like mind blowing to me. It's really impressive. Yeah. No, I have uh, I have like two of the, the novels that are really cool. OK. Yeah. 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 They're cool, man. And I mean, we want to put out more graphic novels as well. And I'm just time, man. You know, you're, just, yeah. you're trying to put out the music, you're trying to put out the books, you're trying to put out the action figures and so forth. And I just wish there was more time in the day. Yeah. 
And plus you want to like, you want to keep it fun and fresh, you know, you never want it to feel like so much responsibility probably. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But I mean, there's not a day that, that I'm not thinking about the next step or what we should be doing, what we could be doing, what we would be, you know what I mean? There's just uh there's something that I can't look away from or step away from. And that's probably a, a gift and a curse where the, the gift is the persistence and, and uh, drive to continue pushing the character and the music. And the curse is the fact that sometimes I can't turn it off. You know, I could be at the beach with my wife and I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, if Zarface's cave is long enough or, or if we've got that mixed down the right way or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Occasionally, not always, but I would like to be able to turn it off more than I do. Uh, so on, on artificial intelligence, where, where do we find Zarface? Oh, <laughs> well, he's, um, burning down uh enemies and 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 wreaking havoc throughout different universes and, and, and cosmic uh spacecapes but you know the music is is with really a continuation of the last album's armageddon so we're jumping from armageddon to artificial intelligence and i think a lot of the, the fun that i have with the character and the namesake is the puns that kind of uh land in my lap with the name so some of our first our first few records weren't always rooted in you know they didn't start with something that rhymes with uh czar but a lot of our song titles did and that's leads to fans and listeners messaging me about hey why don't you do a song called and then it would be something that is a play on words where you know like armageddon and Zarmageddon or like barbarian or why don't you do a song called like the barbarian or and and it engages people in a a different way and and i i i listen to everyone's ideas and sometimes the ideas i've already thought of but they just haven't made their way onto an album yet so i tell i tell kids i'm like oh yeah we thought of that one man and it's still in the works you know i think with artificial intelligence, when I came up with with that title, which is that doesn't take a genius to come up with it, of course, because artificial intelligence is everywhere. Um, I wanted to almost copyright it, but I, I just put it out on Twitter at some point where I was like, this is an album that we're coming out with soon at some point. <laughs> that was probably a couple of years ago, but here we are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm looking through the just the track list, just the track titles of of the album. And you got Zarkamedes Death Ray. Zarsenic and yeah. Starnegie Hall. Starnegie, oh yeah, yeah. So there's three of them on this. Sometimes yeah. I feel like it gets to be a little bit of an overkill, but um, some of the song titles, uh, it's not exact. These aren't exactly uh, John Denver or type compositions. So the song titles are kind of something that we come up with at the end, where mm-hmm. you know the hook isn't exactly uh, analogous to the, the actual song. So their song title so we can kind of have fun with the titles like Zarkomedes death ray that was one of these things where i was watching like mythbusters with my wife on uh, on uh a and e or whatever station shows that and it was all about archimedes death ray and you know it's like oh Zarkomedes death ray yeah that's cool you know Zarface shoots the lasers from his eyes and maybe that's his death ray and um you know it dates back to Archimedes and he's Greek and Seven L's Greek and it's just a fun title. Yeah. 
No, the, the whole album is pretty fun front to back. Um, oh, that's cool, man. That's yeah. great to hear. I think we put a little bit of um, focus on whether the album is uh, not too dreary or not too gloomy. Um, sometimes in our past, we would really want to scare the shit out of people with our music, and, and that wasn't always the probably the best way to go about things. So I feel like some of our songs that are a little bit more lighthearted uh, – get a little bit more of a uh, positive feedback from people and it's good. Yeah. you like a personal favorite of mine was a uh, mama's basement one. Cause it oh. caught my ear. Cause you got the uh, left my wallet and El Segundo hook. You're kind uh-huh. of interpolating, uh-huh. but then just, yeah, just like listing off a bunch of superheroes. I think there was another one where you kind of, um, I forget the, the title of the song, but um, where you kind of, uh, did almost like an alphabet aerobics thing with super yeah so yeah that was marvel at that it's called and it, it, that was based on games i play with the kids on road trips and i think a lot of parents probably do this on a road trip where you're going through the alphabet and you have to name animals that begin with a b c d or um you know uh, we do superheroes a lot so marvel the marvel thing came easy and i was able to sample my son's voice from over a decade ago to create that song so you know i'd always keep the microphone on when he was a little guy he'd run into the studio run into the booth the vocal booth and start yelling all the types of things and he'd see the microphone so it would be fun for him to just <laughs> shout into it so i said let's you know hear the abcs and he'd do that a couple times and then I'd hand him like the Marvel, one of the Marvel, many Marvel encyclopedias or, or posters or comics. And he would just start shouting out some of the characters that he liked. And then I was able to cobble all of those files together from, you know, my archive of like kind of a time capsule of his voice and 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 uh, make the song for, for now, which was uh, a lot of a lot of fun to make and something that. uh is personal to me, I guess, because it encapsulates a lot of the things that we like, both of us like up till now, which is, you know, the Marvel Universe and both the comic book aspect, the video game aspect, the movie aspect. So um, I'm I'm glad we were able to pull the song off. So you kind of answered my question, but that's his voice, your son, your son's voice. Yes. On that track, the interlude. Yeah, the the Celtics game the other night and, um, a family came up to us and a, a little kid, he's probably about eight or nine years old, if I had to guess. And he said, are you the guy that, 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 that the dad knew our music, but I think he shares <laughs> it with his son. And, and, the, and the kid came up to me and said, are you the guy that does Marvel at that? And the song just came out a couple of weeks ago. So I was like, yeah, I was, I was, you know, very happy that the kid knew because it's kind of a family friendly song. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to say, in that other voice you hear doing the ABCs and the Dr. Doom and all of this, this guy right here, but my son now he's taller than me and he's, you know, he's 15 years old. He's a big guy. So he doesn't sound like what you hear on, on Marvel at that. Now his voice mm. is a lot deeper, you know? So yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll do a remix one day. <laughs> That's got to feel really cool though, to have, you know, to have a father and son approach you and oh. you know talk to you about about that song with with you know that has that personal meaning to you yeah um it always feels good when somebody uh will like come up and say something um no matter where we are 
I think a lot of people get the impression because everybody's different, of course, but a lot of people get the impression like if someone's out with their family, don't bother them. You know, you don't mm-hmm. say something to them if they're out with their. But me, I'm I, uh, I enjoy the <laughs> I enjoy the attention. So like, please throw yourself at me when I'm with my family. <laughs> so they know that I'm I'm the boss. You know. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> You can you can turn to your son and be like, yeah, see, I am cool. Exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also appreciate, you know, real recognizes real. That you know the illest D, that's Doctor Doom. Because that's mm. my favorite that's my favorite comic book character. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah my mine too, probably. He's definitely my favorite. I I I guess Marvel villain. You know what I mean? If you could take him and and venom and uh, venom's kind of you know he's he's kind of both but green goblin um but doom is just as he probably the coolest villain that, that jack kirby has created you know yeah yeah he's i think venom was my original like when i was a kid but now that i'm an uh-huh. adult now that i'm a man i'm grown i recognize that that just the complexity the nuance of dr doom yeah I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. There's, um, I mean, Doctor Doom also has probably at least twenty five years of story before Venom was even, uh, you know, a character. You know, Venom was started with being a symbiote from Peter Parker in Secret Wars, and then grew and you know became. He bonded with Eddie Brock and then became this thing in probably, what was it, 88. And I think Doom was created in what, the mid-60s maybe? I forget yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think Beth debuted in uh, 61. Okay. And But I don't think, he, he's he's not in the first issue, because that's Mole Man. Um, okay, all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, now, I th- now think he's, talking? Yeah, I think he's like, I think he debuts in like number three. Okay. I know he's number... The second appearance of him is in Spider-Man number five. I know that because that that was one of my prized comics back oh, yeah, in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Doom's great, man. I, I hope they get him right in uh, the next movie because that would be a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of fun, and it would answer a lot of people's cries for uh, a convincing, compelling Doctor Doom in a movie. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm holding out hope. I, uh, cause uh, it's been, they've had some rough luck with FF adaptations in the past. Oh, they have, they have. I, mean, they, <laughs> I don't know if it's rough luck. It's just, uh, it, misunderstanding the source material. Misunderstandings. Sometimes. Yeah. Fantastic Four: rise of the silver surfer. Um, I've publicly, uh, dissed, but <laughs> I've also come to realize that anytime that it's on TV, I keep it on because I, yeah. I I actually enjoy it. So I'm realizing that there's some type of a internal conflict there that the movie entertains me, mm-hmm. even if it's not a perfect movie. It it actually entertains me a lot. Like I, if the the wedding scene, the banter between Human Torch and the, and the thing, I thought Michael Chiklis was a great thing. Oh, honestly, um, I love the casting of the the four in those movies. Yeah. Yeah, like, they, yeah, they were great. They yeah, were great. I thought it was and, excellent casting. Yeah, 
It was good casting. But having Galactus be a just a, a disembodied cloud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a bummer. That was a bummer, definitely. Yeah. And, and now I think we've seen enough CGI and enough practical effects in the movies over the years since that has come out that I think when the time uh, comes to introduce Galactus, he's going to look pretty cool. You know, yeah. if, if you saw some of the things from like the movie, um, uh, what was it? Eternals. Yeah, yeah. You, you, We've seen Celestials. Some, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you'd see some potential for what Doom could look like, what Galactus could look like uh, as a fully realized Galactus, you know? Yeah. No, there's, there's definitely some stuff I'm looking forward to in, in the upcoming MCU stuff. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. And as I said before, I'm a very... Uh, Easy grader. I'm just grateful to have any of these guys on a screen for uh, as long as they are. When I was growing up, you would, wouldn't get any of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like the idea mm. of any of these guys in movie adaptations outside of Batman or Superman uh, and then eventually Spider-Man uh, was insane. But then yeah. the X-Men, X-Men movies came along and then... And now you had the MCU and oh my, wait, wait, Ant-Man is in a movie? You know, it just uh, yeah. became a, uh, an embarrassment of riches if that's the type of stuff you're into, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, as as someone, you know, speaking to a fellow like comic book fan from like predating the movies. Yeah. You know, it's it's cool that they've captured that feeling of interconnectedness of like the comic books where like I'm reading a Spider-Man comic, but all of a sudden, you know, Doctor Strange pops up or, you know, I'm reading, yeah. you know, I'm reading FF and, and Black Panthers in here. It's so cool, man. Those type of tie-ins are so important and so fun in comic books. Like with the Marvel team-up books themselves, like that title in particular was cool because it would always be Spider-Man, but he'd be teaming up with somebody else and it could be the most obscure character. Or an established character like Daredevil, but you would enjoy uh, the adventure just because, you know, Spidey was going to anchor the story and you knew you, you were going to get results from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the times with, with the Zarface records, we would like to do that, too, or we would think about it that way, where we're bringing in guests in the same way that yeah. you would feature, uh, I don't know, Iron Man in a Captain America book, where we, we would have Cool Keith on a Zarface record. or uh, MF Doom on a Zarface record, something like that. It's it's kind of the same, the same uh, similar, you know. Yeah, no, I actually our mind went to the same place there. I was like, that that sort of is like a precursor to like hip hop culture of just you know you get so like you two are you know you're you and Seven L are your own duo, and then you're teaming up with a a member of the Wu Tang Clan who's coming over from his own team, mm-hmm. and you know having all these other guests. MF Doom, ghost, Ghostface, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like the Avengers team up with uh, me and Seven L, and we're like, uh, who are we? We're like Alpha Flight or some <laughs> something a little more <laughs> obscure than um than the Avengers, but yeah. they make uh, make a good team. Yeah, there's a. I think it's. I think it's back on Mama's basement. But there's you were taught. You mentioned uh, an Alpha Flight issue. I was like, I know this guy's deep into it. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I, I loved Alpha Flight when they first came out. Man, it was like a Canadian version of 
really the Avengers, you know, they yeah. are or the X-Men, you know, it's just their their own team. They had Guardian, Sasquatch, Puck. It was a pretty cool, cool squad, you know, and, and um uh, they just relaunched the book recently too. So maybe we'll get a uh, hmm. I think there was supposed to be an Alpha Flight movie at one point. I think that was in development at, at one oh. point. And maybe the reaction or the feedback from the Inhumans uh, series uh, just maybe uh, soiled any uh, expectations for like another team movie other than Avengers. Yeah. And, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy obviously are great, and and that's a testament to uh, James Gunn and, and yeah. the way that he was able to present them on the screen because. They were pretty obscure beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. I was just i I went to pull up the the lyric the the I'm on genius, and I I went to pull up the lyric where you mentioned Alpha Flight, and I just had to laugh at it because it's fantastic couplet here with "Got to get that Alpha Flight and that Moon Knight too." Got more back issues than Larry Bird in '92. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was happy to, to sneak that in, man. That, that line was the back issues, more back issues than Larry Bird uh, in the 90s was something that was always rattling around in my head for, I don't know, a couple of years anyway. And then uh, connecting it to comic books, the back issues idea mm-hmm. of comic books. And then I kind of found a way to put it in with this with this particular song. And this song, uh, one of the few on this album that just kind of came out and it was not something that uh, I recorded at all um really i think in one take in one sitting and uh some of the other songs were a little bit more tricky to get the right performance uh but that song just came together really quickly uh so i didn't spend a lot of time toying with the lyrics themselves they just kind of came from somewhere inside and i was i played it back and i, I listened to it and some of the things i got to get that Hulk got to get that old cap or whatever I said. I, I thought that might have been like a little too simple for what I think some of our people, some of the kids, guys that listen to us, people that listen to us expect from us. But uh, it was one of these things where I was like, I like the the pitch of my voice and the way that I'm saying it. And I would just kind of kind of keep it uh, a little a little bit more simplistic here. You know, and then, but we landed on that Larry Bird line, and, and uh, I like that one. I'm glad you like it too. And uh, yeah, uh, and I just love the uh, sort of the narrative arc it takes in the third verse too. I'm just you know like scrolling through, and the kind of twist at the end that you you sold <laughs> you sold the book yeah because you needed money to impress a girl. Yeah, and that's that. I think that that's one of the things that I learned through life. You know, there's that period in life, at least for me, where I kind of turned my uh attention to other things and i abandoned all of this stuff for a little while while you know chasing girls and and just kind of doing what kids in in high school and college might do and but that was all it was always there this the, the whole world and I, i've been able to really 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 jump back into it all hardcore yeah. um and it's been you know a lot of fun to keep it by my side because it helped me a lot as a kid yeah that's awesome well i think we've covered everything that i wanted to talk about i know you got to get to another interview uh okay yeah just want to thank you again for taking yeah thank you man thank you yeah
You've been great, Harry. I, I love that. Love to hear that feedback. But yeah, <laughs> had a great time talking to you. Yeah, you too. All right, y'all. That was my interview with Esoteric from 7L and Esoteric and Zarface. Go check out Zarface's new album, Zartificial Intelligence, which uh, came out a couple weeks ago. It's available on all streaming platforms. And uh, have a happy holidays and a happy new year. I will see y'all in 2024. Thanks for listening.